The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we catch you up on all of the news that broke in that very funny space in between when we last recorded and when we published the show, because, of course, that's when PlayStation Plus games get announced. Uh, but we'll have a lot more to talk about in addition to uh, the PlayStation Plus games, including a brand new game that launched uh, for PS5 exclusively. Uh, among all that, there's a, a ton of PlayStation and third-party news that we're going to get to. So without further ado, I will introduce my cast. I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Hey, what's up? Hey, Brian. We're also joined this week by Max Scoville. Hello, everybody. Hello. And also joining us this week is Laura Kate Dale. Laura, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, we're, we're very excited to have you on. We have a ton to talk about this week. Uh, of course, I did want to, uh, at the top of the show, point people to, uh, if they perhaps don't know you or don't know where they uh, can find your work, you're on YouTube uh, at Laura K. Buzz, correct? Uh, do you have the, is that the... Yep, uh, Laura K. Buzz, yep. Uh, I do weekly videos about accessibility in video games. Um, I do Twitch streaming three nights a week, and... The big thing that, that the reason I'm here today is because I convinced Max and Brian to do a very, very silly thing a couple of years ago. Um, on Thursday of this week, I have a book called Things I Learned from Mario's Butt coming out, <laughs> uh, where I convinced both Max and Brian to contribute reviews of butts. And we did lots of art. It's just a big art book full of butt reviews of video game characters. That's a physical yeah. thing you can go buy. <laughs> You really had to twist our arms on this one. This was like definitely outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. I didn't, you know, like write, writing writing about a video game character's butt, incredibly difficult for me. I consider myself one of the more, more serious journalists in the field. And this is this was definitely tough, but I'm honored to be the, part of your book. This is the first time I think I've heard you say the word butt, Brian. So yeah. I thought, I thought you were going to say journalist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, don't worry. There's, you know, Twitter arguments we can get into about that. But uh, no, I uh, yeah. Can we Go tease who we, what we wrote about? Oh yeah, please do. Yep. Um, okay, you, you wrote some wonderful things. Yes, I I wrote about um, Bloodborne through the perspective Excellent. of somebody trying not to poop their pants out of fear. <laughs> there's a whole, there's a whole chapter about Bloodborne though, which I love. Like, there's just. <laughs> I, I, the Bloodborne, uh, the Bloodborne bit that Brian did is one of my favorite bits because it's entirely written in very fancy prose, and sometimes I'll just oh open God. the book and just fancily read it out in a in a highfalutin <laughs> voice because it's a wonderful <laughs> bit of writing. <laughs> um, Max, what did you uh, contribute? I talked about the 
snake family of bottoms specifically you know the big the whole big boss and the the liquid snakes and the naked snakes and the punished snakes really just how they're all that that um that pair of cheeks really changes over the course of various generations of playstation so there's a lot to go on there i want to give a just sort of a, a shout out to the art in here which is amazing there's honestly an entire chapter about just metal gear butts um, yeah, yeah. A, a wonderful artist, Zach Flavin, um, did some spectacular work on this book. That's fantastic. I, Gotta I, have Ryden. I, <laughs> of course. Uh, I, I absolutely love the idea of it. I'm so uh, happy Brian and Max were able to contribute. And thank you for being on the show this week. Uh, in addition, of course, having the book out. You said it's out this Thursday? Yep, it's out on Thursday. And uh, people can find it at uh, any Very, retail you want to shout out? or. All of the book places you should be able to find it. Perfect. Google the name of it, you'll find it. Uh, and what a honestly, what a fantastic name it is. I think if the the name doesn't sell you alone, I don't know what books you do want to read because I absolutely adore it. Um, and if not, uh, you're probably going to find some other fun stuff with that Google search too. So, like true. either way, yeah. there's en there's entertainment awaits. <laughs> yeah, pro probably safe search off if you don't care. Uh, but if well, guys, you know. everyone's working from home. Nothing is safe for work. Just go that for it. You know? That's very true. <laughs> uh, well, in addition to talking about whatever our search histories may be and how they led us to video game butts, uh, we do, of course, have a ton of uh, game news to talk about this week. But uh, in addition to butts, I did want to talk, I guess, about another uh, horny video game topic that's currently dominating the, the industry right now. Uh, and thank you uh, to Laura for shouting this out before we started recording. But uh, to follow up last week's episode, where, of course, we talked all about the uh, Resident Evil Village uh, gameplay, the very spooky and incredible uh, Maiden demo that's on PS5. Finally, finally, we got an answer to, I think, what everyone has had top of mind for Resident Evil Village. And, of course, that is uh, the tall vampire lady, a.k.a. Lady Demetrisu, Demetrisu, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I apologize. Uh, her height. And it is, uh, according to the art director, I believe, yes, the art director addressed the height in a statement on Twitter uh, and specifically mentioned that she is 2.9 meters or 9 feet and 6 inches tall, including hat and heels. Well, I mean, who wouldn't include the hat and heels? That's now, part of the whole thing. It, like, without the heels, what's the point of everyone wanting her to step on them? I don't really... You know. I think yeah, it's unfair exactly. that she includes a hat and heels. That's that's like when like rich people get stimulus checks. Like she's there's like there's enough there's enough going on up there. You know what is she I'll, nine foot four? Nine foot six. Heels? Nine yeah. foot three. I would I'll say about, she's a yeah. she's a brave woman to be wearing those heels and that hat in a place with that many stairs and chandeliers. Like that is a lot of stuff to hit your hat or your ankles on. That's just a mess in that castle. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll concede to Brian that the hat probably shouldn't be counted, but you have to count the shoes because no one wants the tall lady's height without the big tall shoes on. That is true. Yeah, but do, <laughs> like, don't you think I, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you both. I think that like going going in a house like that, but also to me the hat. It's like you. She has to dip into every doorway, and that's potential of knocking that off. And. It's also like, do we have any theories about what she's going to look like halfway through this game when she's like a, you know, 200 foot tall, grotesque tentacle monster <laughs> with glowing red orbs? I was going to say at least six other arms, probably somewhere. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you add like extra arms and tentacles, you're just going to increase the number of people who are horny about her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if she just gets like really tiny, which is like the opposite of what every Resident <laughs> Evil character does when they mutate? I think that's pretty scary. 
Yeah. yeah. That would, that's creepy. That, just, just runs up your pant leg. You just, just becomes like nine inches tall. <laughs> yeah, that's creepy. Uh, it's just the, the Hobbit perspective thing, basically. She's just <laughs> in the room from you. I do, I, this coming out as like, it is a Twitter statement for those who didn't see it. It's a statement on like an image uh, sort of like all the cyberpunk delay images, obviously not uh, yellow background with black text, but it's just so funny that like, you know, <laughs> in a year where video games have been delayed and massive like crunch stories have been detailed and, um, you know, allegations addressed via comments like that. We also got a very serious presentation about how, t how tall she is. And I just, I, I really wish I could have been in the meetings between like the social media team of Capcom the village development team like how how they decided this was where they ended up i want an hour-long yeah. documentary on them telling that team what's going on with that like what that response <laughs> was but like this is gonna be a great horror game and everyone's like well everyone's very aroused by the large vampire woman <laughs> like so all, all i can imagine is some shy intern having to come into a boardroom full of very important people and be like i'm, I'm really sorry to have to explain this <laughs> the internet the internet just can't stop. <laughs> like, I don't know if the purpose of that press release was to be like, we know that you're horny, stop it. Or we know that you're horny, please continue to be more horny or stay oh, at they, the exact horniness where you are right now. They, they wouldn't like, have told you their height if they weren't trying to make more horny. Yeah. No, they yeah. definitely weren't trying to like, de like unhorny everybody. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> to to dehornify the audience. Yeah, I think there is... It's a little bit of a like a chicken and an egg scenario. Like I don't know if they knew how aroused the internet would become by this character, or if they are like trying to play catch up. It feels like it's a little bit more of like, oh, they didn't expect this volume of uh, excitement around her, and now they're trying to lean into it a little bit. Is what that uh, statement uh, led was me it, to believe. But was it with Metal Gear Solid Five where Kojima put out like? quiet's measurements and it was like oh yes it's for cosplayers yeah. here is some high-res and yeah. it was just like uh but in this case it's like great news to all you nine foot six ladies out there <laughs> good luck good luck with that <laughs> i don't i don't know it's it's such a weird little wink and a nod yeah i it's just a great um to me it's just such a wonderful thing one that they're playing into it but two like we last week we spent so long talking about how like evocative and moody and scary the the village maiden demo was and what we're most looking forward to about like the way it's mixing the old and the the new and kind of how it's having its cake and eating it too when it comes to like both being scary but also self-aware and i i like that we're sort of seeing that hand in hand where like the the demo last week scared the hell out of us and now we're really fixated on how tall the vampire lady is so we can talk about <laughs> that more it's it's just a delightful sort of like back and forth with this game. And honestly, I hope it continues in the months to come before it launches. Cause this, this feels like only the beginning of, uh, of the heights that we can discover in game. Um, but of course I do want to uh, jump to a PlayStation specific topic uh, that popped up uh, just today as we're recording uh, PlayStation released its 2020 version of its PlayStation wrap up, which if you've used uh, Spotify wrapped or anything like that, it basically tells you your uh, PlayStation stats for the last year of gaming. Uh, the 2020 version does consider some PS5 stats in it, but it will generally tell you things like how many hours you've played, your top games, uh, the day of the week that you ended up playing the most on average, which to me was one of the more like interesting, peculiar stats. I wish there were more weird ones like that uh, we can get into. And then it also, of course, told you your trophy breakdown, uh, your PS5 hours played, if you were able to get a PS5 uh, and the trophies and, you know, most played game there. Um, so I figured we could all sort of uh, go around, uh, mention our 
top three most played, and then we can sort of get into some of the weirdness that we've noticed with this. But uh, I will I will mention mine off the bat. And honestly, I was a little surprised at what the top three ended up being. Uh, number one, not a huge surprise to me, was Fortnite. Uh, I know it comes up periodically on the show, but my girlfriend and I play Fortnite every few nights together, if not, you know, most nights during the week. It's just a, a fun way for us to, like, split screen, wind down, uh, and I get to be, you know, like... Uh, Groot while she's running around as uh, uh, Captain Marvel and we're, you know, shooting at Aquaman for some reason. It's just, it's it's been a really fun way to like break, uh, sort of did, wind down from every day. But yeah. Did James uh, Gunn have this with Groot where he had to like tell everyone how tall Groot was because people were farting? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm trying to remember back. I did follow the Guardian's PR cycle. No, there wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't horniness for Groot. I feel like there were other aliens in that movie people were horny. I don't for I don't want to say that nobody wants to have sex with Groot, but I would say True. substantially less people want to have sex with Groot than the vampire woman. True. Why do you th- why do you think that is? Because Groot doesn't have a hat? Just, I think <laughs> Anna, I think it's yeah, it might be the hat. It, I, I think, I think they just I think they just don't want splinters. I think yeah. that's it. <laughs> that's it. I the the feel of tr- the feel of tree bark like caressing tree bark is just not kind ah. of what I would want out of a relationship. But anyway, uh, after that was Ghost of Tsushima, uh, and then third, interestingly, and I, I forgot I had spent so long replaying it because this was pre uh, before we were all stuck at home. Uh, but I had played Horizon Zero Dawn when we were going to be taking a look back at PS4 games, and then the year happened. Uh, but yeah, that was actually my number three game as I went to Platinum uh, Horizon. So. Uh, uh, an interesting, definitely uh, PlayStation heavy top three for me. But uh, Laura, I'll start with you. What were your uh, top three most played games? Um, so my most played game this year was Persona 5 Royale, which largely just means I replayed a game that I liked from a few years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it It's one of those things where I love the new content that is in Persona 5 Royale, and it continues to be just an incredibly stylish, over-the-top, really wonderful RPG. I just wish there was a way for me to like upload my save and go, hey, here's what I did in the first playthrough. Can you just like speed me along a bit to the new content? Because the new content was wonderful. There was a lot of time where I was enjoying that 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 replay. There were other bits of it where I was like, I don't need to do the school tests again. I don't need to do all of that again. I know what I'm doing here. Um Yeah, I I I have some issues still with Persona 5 Royale. Um one of them in particular is like they tried to fix the whole um weird lgbt phobic scene that comes up um at one point and they kind of made it just bad in a different way but like, um, I, I still love that game it's yeah. great i i, I like, haven't gotten to that scene yet I, I i'm still pretty early on in my royale playthrough but yeah now i'm really excited for persona 5 strikers which is soon as well so just give, yeah. give me more of persona 5 yeah um after that, it was 70 hours on Fall Guys, which I never get that into online games. Um, I think there was something about the fact that it was... It's its the thing that grabbed me for a while with Fortnite, where because most people in a game are going to lose, I don't feel bad about losing, and that really gets me into just playing again and again and again and again. Um, it became my switch off at the end of a workday game for a good few weeks, and just... Yeah, it is the most I've been into an online game in quite a long time. Um, And then the third one on the list is I put 60 hours into Ghost of Tsushima, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous, wonderful, wonderful game that 
I really want to go back and do more of the side content that I didn't get around to doing because it's just really delightful to be in that world. Um, particularly this year, it has been really nice to just have such a fully fleshed out place to explore in games. And that has been, it's one of my favorite things I've played all year. It was n nice to like wear a mask, not because you had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because you uh, could uh just do it while you're riding around on a horse in just beautiful landscapes yeah mm -hmm. it was uh yeah, it was a great from inhaling cherry blossoms because they're just blowing every which way exactly uh, max what about you so i so third place was cyberpunk with 59 hours um and then second place was bloodborne with 71 hours and then first place was my wife playing Spelunky 2 on my account with 80 hours, which <laughs> is a little bit frustrating on a personal level, but it's also phenomenal ammunition for when she's like, you're playing too much Hitman, hang out with me. Because I can just be like, you, <laughs> how dare you? Uh, but there is that there is that wonkiness with like, uh, with stuff not showing up. Because like we, we, we talked yeah. about how much, how much Call of Duty I was playing, weirdly out of character, but it says I was only playing online for six hours, and I'm yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if it's if it's counting. I I think I set myself to appear offline because we got some like some early review games. Sometimes that's an embargo thing, and I haven't really. Uh, I don't think I've changed yeah, it. Yeah, is it is it something privacy settings wise because we are in that we do game stuff? Because I had a similar issue where it says I've only played 27 hours of online games, but 70 hours of Fall Guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I had the same problem with Fortnite, which was my number one game, but I only spent 18 hours somehow online. So yeah, actually, as soon as you said the privacy thing, Max, that that probably that is the would, most likely. It would explain a lot. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, otherwise there's some weird, weird math going on behind the scenes, but they're, they're the ones with the, with the data. So I assume they're pulling it in some way. But. I wish it gave you like a full breakdown of everything you played. Cause it said, I think it said I played something like 150 games or something. Like I definitely jumped around a lot, but same. Um, I am curious. I do love, that's one feature I do love about the PS five is that you can see how many hours you sunk into a particular game. And in mm -hmm. some cases it's straight up wrong, but it's a nice ballpark figure. Yeah, it's it's a weird one where, I, yeah, like as you were saying, I think my top three games account for a total of 250 hours, but it says I spent 2300 hours playing games in 2020. So what were all those other hours? I would I would love to be able to get some more stats on that. But uh, Brian, what what about yours? Uh, it's kind of embarrassing. 106 <laughs> hours in Ghost of Tsushima. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a couple of days. That's like close that's what is that four like four and a half days four, yeah four days and yeah that's a lot um i got the plat i think i almost got the platinum there no i did maybe um 96 hours in bloodborne which i that i did all that before the pandemic hit which is just <laughs> i really like i really ate my food too fast on that one i feel like i could have <laughs> I could have saved that throughout the year and experienced the serotonin I got from platinuming that game later on when I needed it more. Didn't you, did you platinum that this year or was that? That was, I mean, I, last year. I mean, not when, this year. When I say this year, yeah. I mean. 2020. In the, in the, <laughs> the after times or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I platinum that in 2020 in like February. And then in March, it was like, you don't have anywhere to go anymore. Play some video games. Um, <laughs> But yeah, 96 hours in Bloodborne, four hours online, uh, and two hours were Bloodborne. 
And so I think that was just two hours of me like waiting for like some guy to summon <laughs> and show up and help me. <laughs> um, and then 63 hours in Cyberpunk, a game that like I would honestly give like a six out of 10, but I just didn't have anything else going on over holiday break. And I was just home. I wasn't traveling to go see family or anything. I was just kind of sitting around and <laughs> just like drinking beer and playing cyberpunk. And I'm like, what am I even doing? I didn't even finish that game. I got to the le- like literally probably 10 feet from the end of that game and then just dropped it and played other stuff. So that's yeah, I just, fun. I just checked. I have 25 hours logged in Call of Duty or on Activision or whatever. So that's I don't know. I'm curious what else is like just not showing up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I gotta believe that uh, the thing you're saying about appearing offline has to be the trick there, because yeah, the fa- the yeah. fact that is that seems to be affecting all of us feels like that's pretty reasonable. I'll check in with some people yeah. who probably didn't go but privacy offline as much and see if we can when get down. when go. uh when Darna, you said Sunday night was your Sunday evenings were my my most same played. same for me as well. Yeah, apparently yeah. Sunday nights are. Key oh, wow. gaming time. Yeah, it was Sunday morning for me. That's my that's my I was church. Sunday <laughs> afternoon, so really we're just doing this Weird. whole just mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. I think yeah. it for me at least it's like Saturdays are usually the day that I like as much as it's the relaxing day, it's also the day that I'm probably like hopping around to doing a bunch of different things, like either around the house, like doing some chores and then maybe I'll play a game for an hour and then I'll, you know, play with my dog for a little bit and just bouncing mm-hmm. around where Sunday is like, Oh no, the weekend's over. I need to relax. And so I just play a game to tell myself to have fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I love when they do this, but yeah, I totally wish we could find ways to get deeper into the stats. Like I, I always find it really interesting when, uh, you know, after a game's been out for like a month, they'll be like, yeah, mm-hmm. there were 700 million uh, foxes pet in Ghost of Tsushima in the first three weeks. I kind of wanted weird stats like that from yeah. my game time. Like, obviously, they wouldn't have that for every game, but the the like the gaming by the numbers sort of uh, serotonin hit, I guess, like, it, it's just such an interesting yeah. thing to be able to look back and be like, oh, yeah, I, I enjoyed all of those little experiences here and there. Mm hmm um it's it, it's a cool thing that i think uh, i don't know if xbox does it i know nintendo did it at the end of 2020 but i think it was a little more generalized um do you remember it brian at all uh, am i going crazy i think they did it. no 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 they i i think they they i don't know if it was this specific like you played yeah. a lot on sunday mornings or anything but they did they did send out emails being like here's a breakdown of the number of games you played the number of hours and i think mm-hmm. one thing they did was um they tracked year over year which was mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. um and so that was a lot of people were like, oh, boy, I uh, I went up a lot in 2020. Like, I think like it was also like Animal Crossing hit. And I think a lot of people just dropped like 200 hours into that game. Easy. I know yeah. I did. Um, but yeah, that, I, I think what was interesting about this was like the the thing ends with them being like, congrats on getting a PS5, by the way. You joined like the exclusive club. Yeah. And it was a weird thing to like thank me for. It's like, you're the ones that made that hard for people to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then they're like, here's a free theme for your PS4, that system you don't use anymore. So yep. yeah. um, I wish there was a way I could give that to somebody. I don't, I think it just automatically gets unlocked on your account. But um, if you can walk my old man ass through that process and you want it, it's yours because I don't need it. It's also, I'm clicking it right now just out of curiosity. It does come with a code. So I think you could share it, but it is technically a, Oh no, yeah. So it's a it's a just a wrap up dynamic theme. I think you can share it. I I think you it it's yeah. not like your personalized wrap up theme. That, that would be a little weird. But that that saves me having to like boot up my PS4 just to put the theme on, just to yeah. not use it again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 
but yeah, I, I'm seeing a thing here where, uh, speaking of uh, Fall Guys, uh, Laura, you were mentioning it just for the online offline thing. It says that was my top online uh, PS Plus game, and it's more hours played doing that than I was online. So yeah, a, a weird <laughs> thing going on there. Max, what were you going to say? I wonder Sorry. if they're going to, like, because they've done this for two years in a row now, and then there's the fact that on PS5, you can see exactly how many hours you have logged, you know, give or take. I wonder if they're going to roll this into like a... a full-time dedicated app because like you see this with i mean again i pulled it up on the call of duty activision whatever and that has like super detailed statistics on all the stuff you do on there um and i i feel like people really love that and it's also the sort of thing where people you know boast about it or tweet it out and it's they also went ahead and they they you know um sort of reformatted all the all the trophies so i, I don't it seems like they're maybe gearing up for that i I, I like when consoles make it easy to see how long I've been playing a game, even if you do it in the most basic of senses, like the Switch, where I can go mm. and see that I've played so much Pokemon Sword and Shield that I broke the timer and it won't count up anymore. It's like popping a really big zit where you're like, that's disgusting, <laughs> I'm ashamed of myself, but also a little bit proud, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. yeah the, I do like... Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I like when publishers release like hyper specific statistics. Like, I believe Ghost of Tsushima, like early on, they were like, you've pet 10 million foxes this week. <laughs> like, stuff like that is like really interesting to me. Yeah, it's it, a lot of, especially the multiplayer games, end up doing that. But yeah, whenever I see that stuff from first party Sony games, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I want to know that more. I wish I could know like my specific number contributed. And I uh, obviously they are collecting all this data. Um, I, I don't know how much use they feel they get out of it by telling us this but I, I i love it as just a a way to know how you've been engaging with games over the last year for better and worse sometimes but uh it's it's a really fun neat thing and i'm glad they're continuing to do it and uh, max as you were saying i hope they find a way to like integrate it into an app like the ps app that they've revised i, I hope they find ways to make it a little bit more centralized to the experience um but yeah uh, a cool thing that they were able to do and definitely uh in the comments of this video, please, uh, everyone, let us know your most played games. I'm very curious to see the results of the Beyond audience and see sort of where things fell uh, for our audience this year. But uh, anyway, moving Go ahead. I was going to say, it's also worth mentioning that they um, did also do like a general year in review wrap up that covers just all of like PlayStation stats, yes. uh, such as like the number of like the most popular games that were played just as a whole. So uh, dig into that, too, because it's that's there's some really cool stuff in there. And there is, speaking of, I got I got this email from, it was more my like personal account just tied to my PSN, but they sent out a, a funny email that was both, it was a 2020 review and then a 2021 look ahead. Uh, and it's like all the big games coming this year. And it's like really beautifully designed splash pages and all this like, look at all these amazing games we have coming to PS4 and PS5. And then at the very bottom, it's just like the God of War sequels in development. And it's like, <laughs> please leave us alone for a little while. We're trying to make the damn game. It's coming. We just hold on, hold on. <laughs> This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? 
One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Um, but while we wait for any other news about that sequel, uh, there are new games and new PlayStation Plus games uh, that we can talk about uh, as they were revealed last week, but they're available now uh, as we're, we're talking. So if you don't have PlayStation Plus, uh, I think I personally think it's one of the better months in a while, but uh, you are able to get uh, Concrete Genie, which is on PS4 and backward compatible on PS5. Uh, you can get the Control Ultimate Edition on both PS4 and PS5. Uh, and the Ultimate Edition on PS5 uh, takes more graphical advantage of the system. And then, of course, uh, Destruction All-Stars is debuting on PlayStation Plus on PS5. Uh, it was originally scheduled for launch of the PS5, got delayed, but with that delay, uh, it came the PS Plus launch. And it's also, uh, I believe it's going to be on there for two months. So you, you have some time if you're obviously still looking for a PS5. I do want to say to people, though, regardless of whether or not you have a ps5 redeem every game you can on ps plus because whether or not you own the system you can still redeem them so mm-hmm. don't let not having a ps5 yet stop you from redeeming the ps5 mm. games on the list um cannot recommend that enough because i saw some people who got a ps5 in the beginning of the year and were like oh i forgot to redeem bug snack so i guess i'll just go buy it but like you can you can redeem all these games uh, if mm-hmm. you only have a ps4 and when you um, go to a store and you go in the bathroom and they have paper towels those are free you can help take yourself. them off Get a bunch yeah. of them. Never buy paper towels. The Become a mummy. Just dress up like a mummy everywhere you go. Just be a street mummy for free. Street mummy feels like a really bad 90s movie. It's that the sequel to Concrete Genie. It's going to be huge. <laughs> it's actually coming to PlayStation Plus next month. I, I'll believe it. We'll see what uh, we'll make our predictions in just a few more weeks. But uh, no, I do want to talk about this lineup and I do want to get to Destruction All-Stars of it all. But uh, Laura, you had told me before the show you're playing a little bit of Control Ultimate Edition, correct? Yeah, yeah. I put maybe uh, four or five hours into it, so I've not played like the whole thing back through again. But um, it's been nice to have an excuse to go back into Control. Um, This is another one of those games on PS5 that has the options of visually, how do you want it to look? Do you want to have it with ray tracing and all the fancy visual effects, or do you want it on uh, 60 frames a second? And 
every time a game on PS5 offers me this, I try and do it with the fancy graphics mode, and I play that for a while, and then I swap it to 60 frames a second, and I never want to go back, and that continues to be true for Control. Um, I, I'm really digging some of the, the stuff they're doing with the DualSense controller on this game. Um, a lot of it is the expected stuff that all the games are doing, but it's still really cool, and I've not gotten over it yet. Um, when you're running around, you can feel the footsteps in your controller, and they feel slightly different when you walk on different materials, that sort of thing that they did in Astrobot. Um, your gun does the clicking with the trigger when you pull it. It's not, None of it's particularly surprising use of the dual sense, but it all feels very nice, and that's all I really need from it. Um, the vibration feels really, really nice when you're doing melee attacks to, to blast people through walls. Otherwise, it's it's just control still. It's still a good game. Now, Laura, did you play Did you play it on PS4 initially? Uh, I originally played it on PS4, yes. Did the save file carry over, or did you have to start fresh in the PS5 version? Um, I, carry, I, I believe you can carry the save over. I didn't bother to carry the save over, because I was like, I'm just going to jump in from the beginning and replay it. I will double check. Yeah, I believe it carries over. Cool. I think there was a press, press release had about it. You just it. sold me on this free game that I should just probably download anyway, but yeah, like I didn't I didn't mess with and it's got all the DLC and everything, right? Like the the Yeah, it's got all the DLC on it. Um let me find I've got my email which will tell me. <laughs> that yeah, that'll probably be better than me looking at uh tweets oh, that yeah, I it remember says, seeing. It just said in the trailer we're rolling all expansions. I should probably, you know, know that too. Oh, so... EGM gave it a 5 out of 5. Wild. Oh, EGM. Uh, well, we gave a game of the year. Uh apparently saves do not transfer over. Unfortunately, oh, I, I thought they did. My apologies. Hmm. No, all good, all good. I'm I'm looking at uh, this is from uh, Thomas Puha from the Riot team, uh, or excuse me, the Remedy team. His name is Riot on Twitter, so it confused my brain. Um, so, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say I I build in this game kind of early, um, but I want to give it another shot. I'm just not sure where to do that because I have a Series X and I have a PS5, and this is one of those like I'm not sure. Do I want to go with the guy? I, I think that like the game doesn't have HDR or it's like it's got some like sort of faux HDR thing going on. And I have a nice TV. I want to take advantage of it. But also, like, I'm really interested in in the dual sense stuff it's doing, even if it's yeah. subtle. Um, so, yeah, that's just constantly that, you know, where do I go to play this game? I mean, the game is uh, literally called Control. It would be kind of a missed opportunity if they didn't do something with the controller. Seriously. Yeah. I, I had a look. Um, if you're playing it in PS4 backwards compatibility mode, then Ultimate Edition does support moving your save over, but you can't gotcha. do it if you're playing the PS5 version. Mm. Gotcha. There it is. So yeah, because uh, with the PS Plus, you technically can redeem both the PS4 and PS5 yeah. versions. Um, it, it's a little confusing on the store, the way it's formatted. So if you can redeem an option for control on the store for PlayStation Plus, just redeem them all, just to be safe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was one that I completed. I, uh, reviewed the first DLC. I reviewed the original game in the first DLC for IGN. And then, uh, Simon, I believe handled the, uh, Simon Carty handled the second DLC, uh, which I also played and really enjoyed. I, I feel like it's when I'm going to go back to it, maybe like a year or two. It still feels like relatively fresh enough that I'm like, I, I might give it some more time, but I'm glad that it's there as a PS plus one. Cause I do feel like. I remember when IGN gave a game of the year, a lot of people were like, what the hell even is Control? I've never heard of this game. <laughs> um, so any exposure there to me is always a good thing for, for the games that I love. And speaking of that, Concrete Genie uh, is a first party PlayStation game developed by Pixel Opus that also came out in 2019. Uh, that one's a really short one. I think you can beat it in like six or so hours. Uh, I don't know if anyone else here has spent too much time with it. 
uh, if you have, feel free to shout. Um, you reviewed it, right? Uh, no, I was going to, and then uh, had a couple other projects that got in the way, but I did a preview and spoke to the devs. Uh, we do have an episode back from 2019 where we spoke with uh, the creative director and the, the art director of it. Uh, it's just a really wholesome and like positive game uh and has like really at least to me it had really sweet themes around um de dealing sort of with bullying as a kid um and uh sort of interesting themes around like what happens when the 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 like town you grew up in starts to like fade away over time like how, how do you grapple with sort of those types of changes as well um, it's it's definitely not like you know a forty hour giant RPG like some of the other Sony first party games, but I think it still is really a really worthwhile experience to jump into, uh, and for those who care, a fun platinum. Um, but yeah, de definitely recommend that one as well uh, if you're a PlayStation Plus Plus owner. But of course, the other big one is Destruction All Stars, and uh, whether or not we've uh, had time with that, we can we can get into hands on uh, in a second. I was playing a little before uh, we jumped on the call, but. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, we saw this last year with Fall Guys and obviously a few years ago with Rocket League launching a multiplayer game for free on day one of PlayStation Plus seems to be a pretty good recipe for success. Um, I, I'm curious of like interest level among all of you in jumping into this game, particularly because it is a PlayStation Plus game and how much that probably is affecting how likely you are jumping into it versus had you had to buy it at launch. Um, uh, Brian, I want to start with you on this one. Yeah, I mean, my my interest was pretty tepid on this one. And then just seeing it as something I could just download on my PS5 for free or as part of something I was already paying for completely changed my perception on it. Um, and I went in with a really open attitude and I'm really liking what I'm playing so far. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's a kind of weird sort of mix of the aesthetics of something like uh, Rocket League with a little bit of WWE and then some, I would say, arms from Nintendo. Like there's uh, like kind of over characterized um personas jumping in and out of cars uh and then smashing each other and i really like the smash mechanic it reminds me of some somewhere between something like you'd find in burnout but also what you find in smash brothers like that simple flick of the joystick to smash into another car and make it explode you build up these charge meters there's a lot of like like sort of systems that are running in parallel that's giving it a little more depth than I was expecting. Um, but ultimately it is a very arcade multiplayer, you know, uh, like arena based combat game. And it's super fun. Like it's, I was really not expecting to like this game. Uh, it's bright. It's colorful. The dual sense stuff is great. Like uh, when your car starts to like get really beat up, you feel like your tailpipe and the back hood just rattling and you're driving around. It's just, like, it's, it's a really cool feeling. So yeah, I dig it. I'm going to stick with it for sure. I'm, I'm having a good time with it. Yeah, I, I went through the tutorial and one or two, of, like there's not a full campaign, but there are like missions essentially you can do to play single player. Uh, and yeah, I, I felt the same. I, I sort of went in more with an open mind, I think, because it was like, yeah, this is free. I'm going to try it. It's it's for the PS5. Like like you were saying, I think you nailed what the aesthetic is. Uh, it looks really good on PS5. Um, it's it, it's running really well. But yeah, it it is a... There's a lot, I think, to grapple with at first because it is the dual system of both being on foot and in the car. Uh, but yeah, when you get into the, just the like the mayhem of it and you're just trying to like smash, like really land a smash into another car that's driving past you, or you can leap out of your car and jump into on top of someone else's car and try to either wreck it or take it over. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's just all these little fun things you can do and it, it keeps the momentum going match per match mm -hmm. in a really fun way. 
So I will say that one thing that kind of caught me off guard, and I haven't really dug into the economics of it so much yet, but the single player is I, uh, sort of episodic, and the entire first episode is free, but everything after that um, you have to buy with points. And I, I'm not sure if there's like really a precedent for PlayStation Plus games to have sort of paywalled content like that. Um, I mean, but yeah. it does make me, it, it makes me wonder like, wh what does this look like? What, what, what would this have looked like as a like boxed retail copy yeah. of the PS5 launch? Like would all the end content would have been included for 40 bucks or 60 bucks? Um, yeah. versus now where it's free, uh, but you do have to pay like for gems or whatever. Um, there, but we'll there see. Are, it's worth noting just on like a gameplay mechanic level because they, they talked about it in the state of play for anyone who may have missed it because it was kind of buried in the PS Plus announcement. Yeah, there are two types of currencies in the game. One you earn in game, I think it's for mostly cosmetics. I don't know. I don't know if it's the one that goes toward uh, the campaign missions, but uh, it's something you earn in game and it's just cosmetics that don't affect the game. The other type of currency you currently only can buy. You can only purchase it yeah. right now. They're going to be introducing daily, weekly, and monthly challenges, they said, at some point in the future. Uh, I did a couple, uh, an interview with a couple of the devs, and they said, like, they have at least the full, like, first year roadmap in mind. Like, they're very focused on what's coming ahead and uh, have a lot of content in mind. But, yeah, it is a weird thing to know, like, kind of at launch, that one of the two main currencies, I if I want to engage with it in that way, I just have to pay for it. Like, and granted, right. I, got it, I got it for part of my subscription fee. So if I start to really love the game, I may feel that's worth it. But yeah, it, it is a weird thing to jump in and be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's it's yeah. weird I can't earn it's, this. And that's the thing. It's going to feel really strange a couple of months from now when this isn't a PlayStation Plus game, when that micro economy is still in there for people who are buying it as a full boxed game. That's going to be right. a very different proposition to, say, me playing it today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could um, also see them just flipping a switch and making it full free to play, but I, I definitely think full price box game for this is was would have been a, a mistake, especially I, at what yeah. seventy bucks, which they would have charged for, you know, PS Five. Yeah. I I know for me uh, for myself, I would never have bought this at full price, but knowing that I just had access to it, it it's again, it's what happened with Full Guys. Probably wouldn't have bought it, but I will definitely play it if it's here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's. I think it sets the game up for the most success, which is great because, like, it you know, it is a Sony first-party published multiplayer game, which we don't get that often from them anymore. Mm -hmm. There is a history of car combat games at Sony, obviously with Twisted Metal, and even though this is a different franchise, this uh, Lucid Games, the developers, uh, have a huge background of people who made Blur and the Project Gotham Racing games, and the director of this game was on the Wipeout franchise for years. So, like, there's there's a lot of history and legacy of people who are pretty good yeah. at making racing games, and car combat games are a thing we used to think of with PlayStation. But I, I it's something that I'm excited to get into more than I thought I would mm -hmm. be. But yeah, I think the the money question of it is going to be really interesting, and yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see when that switch is flipped and it's no longer on PS Plus, mm -hmm. how. It I mean, also, it's nice to hear they've got a year planned out. I'm excited to see yeah. what that has yeah. going for it because, I mean, look at like how Fortnite looked when it launched versus how it looked, you know, two years later, or Fall mm -hmm. Guys for that instance, or Rocket League even. Uh, I love, I, I love what this game is doing mechanically because it just feels like a complete like checks party mix nonsense pile yeah. of different mechanics. Uh, it's you know, it's got a little bit of Rocket League, a little bit of Fortnite. Uh, the jumping out of your car into other cars totally reminds me of what I maintain is one of the best mechanics in any video game ever, which in Sleeping Dogs, where you could like 
lean out the side of your car and just hurl yourself onto the roof of another car and then mm -hmm. steal it. But in this case, you have to like compete with another person about whether or not they want to let you do that. Or if you also just want to blow yeah. up their car. Uh, and it's, again, I, it's got the, it's got the sort of body slam thing that, that mm -hmm. MotorStorm had for, you know, as much as I yell about that's that stupid series. <laughs> I'll also say about this game, at least on first impressions, I'm having a lot more fun with um, one of the modes than and more than the other. Um, Mayhem, which is the default mode where you are just bashing other vehicles as much as you can to get points. Uh, time limit, you've got unlimited lives, just keep bashing things. Having a lot more fun with that. Mm -hmm. uh, the other um, free-for-all mode, Gridfall, is about trying to knock people off of platforms and you've only got a single life and... I found it a lot less fun because the optimal way to play seems to be to avoid bashing into other people because then you risk getting bashed backwards <laughs> yourself. And for a game that is so much about like chaos and carnage and collisions, it feels very strange to have the second mode you play reward staying away from the fighting. <laughs> that reminded well, me of, of the things I don't like about Rocket League paired with the things I don't like about Battle Royale games. Uh, yeah, the fact you've got the you've got the platforms dropping out from underneath you. But at the same time, you know, this is a game about about driving cars around like you're supposed to be moving around and colliding with stuff. And that is sort of a yeah. that is an odd skill like, set to acquire. Like, like I'm sure people who are good at Rocket League are really are probably yeah. gelling with this pretty well. Like I'm I'm gelling with with mayhem mode, but for Gridfall, I found my first win I got by just standing up on one of the platforms where the cars spawn and just waiting. <laughs> like out for a minute. the interesting thing is they've got like they've got on foot mechanics and they've got in the car mechanics and I, I, well, mm. not not like mechanics for the car, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you can like you can shoulder check people as you're running around on foot. It just doesn't do a lot of good because most people are trying to run over you with the car. I'm yeah. really curious to see what kind of modes they roll out. If there's like, hey, everyone's on foot here and the world is on fire. Or, I mean, I'd be pretty happy if they just put out a straight, like, here's just a here's just a race. Like, here's just mm -hmm. a... Yeah, I, they... um. Sorry, I was just going to mention, they they did say that, like, part of their roadmap will involve, like, twists on the existing modes, obviously, like, new types of modes, most likely new characters and things. So I think they are, they, they said, though, like, we have all that in mind, but we are going to be very receptive to what people mm -hmm. are gelling and not gelling with. So, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't expect to enjoy the out-of-the-vehicle stuff as much as I did. The whole, you are definitely, definitely at a disadvantage. You are very vulnerable, but if you can get those resources around the map, you can get your special vehicle in, you can start having your big, powerful upgrades. Um, there's a character, I think, called Hannah, who has a blade in the front of her car that when you activate it, it just slices cars in half. <laughs> it's really... It, like, I know it's probably not strategically good, but I like the idea of just, I'm going to run around on foot for a minute so I can have my fancy car. I need, <laughs> I, I need to dig into the, the different sort of supercars because it's it's weird that they present it so character-focused and that they're like, yeah. hey, here, here who, who's you're playing as, but most of the time you're going to be playing as the car. And so to have all yeah. these characters who all have, you know, hero hero vehicles, yeah. but not have the stats listed and, from the roster screen, is a very yeah. odd, that's a very odd choice. And it's, it's, um, oh, sorry, it's, go ahead. It's, it's an odd choice because you only have so you can only really look through that character sheet when the time is ticking down and the match is about to start and you've got to go yeah. to the character, look at the stats, get back out, which not a good time to be trying to work out what characters are good for you. It, yeah, it sounds sorry, Brian, go ahead. No, I was just saying I'm I'm not as crazy about the on foot stuff in this game, but I'm glad it's there. To me, it feels like the building parts of Fortnite, which I'm bad at, but I love the rest <laughs> of it enough to to stick with it. Um, but I do uh, appreciate that. I, I feel like if this game sticks, you're going to see a lot of really awesome gameplay clips 
of mm. people who are, you know, uh, daisy chaining a bunch of leaps out of cars, smashing them, taking them over, jumping, jumping into the next one. There's a lot of sort of verticality and dynamic action that can happen mm -hmm. here if somebody knows what they're doing, which I'm not at yet. I was going <laughs> to say the other thing too, um, more than other modes, if this sticks, and I hope it does, I hope uh, Sony goes full, you know, Mario Kart with this, where they go, hey, Kratos has a car now, and it's oh, a boat I want that so much. with wheels. Yes. And, you know, uh, here's here's Aloy, and she's in a big robot dinosaur car. Like, just get really <laughs> done with it. You know, here's the give hunter me, from give Bloodborne. Me Bloodborne. Yes, in the, yeah. in the Gatehurst <laughs> carriage with the ghost yeah. horses. Yes. It, it yes. feels so perfect for that sort of thing. And I, uh, on the character note, I did just want to mention, um, I, I'm plugging some of the stories I wrote from the interview, but one of the things they talked about that was really interesting was the... And it makes me wish they there is a little bit more of a look at these characters and understanding, and I'm hoping that comes sort of post-launch. But what they did was, rather than have this internal team, Lucid, I believe, is built, uh, based in the UK, and they were like, rather than uh, you know this UK-based developer creating all of these different people from around the world, they hired uh, out a bunch of different um, artists who are predominantly in like comic books and graphic no novels and other mediums other than video games from different regions and we're like okay we have this sort of character idea in mind like this archetype here's maybe some of the music they listen to or this personality you go ahead and you create them and and they used i you love know, their that work to create that yeah. so because now it feels like it's actually like a global competition between mm -hmm. people from their different respective exactly yeah. that's like that's one of my weirdest like biggest hang-ups is when there's too cohesive of a style guide for character design like the, mm -hmm. the fact that like Thor and like the Asgardian armor looks a lot like the rest of the Avengers. You're like, but you're from <laughs> space. That seems odd. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, it's a nice twist to it, and it, again, is one of those things where like I hope we see these characters developed further on. And Brian, just to mention, because yeah, I know you were talking about sort of the like the on foot comparison to it. They uh, the the on foot the the parkour stuff was in the game, you know, pretty much since the beginning of development. They said, but an interesting thing that they said it actually changed was originally they had levels that were much bigger and wider and taller, but they were like they wanted it to be a multiplayer game where whether you were on foot or in a car, you were very focused on the action. And they're like, if four people are climbing up a skyscraper trying to get to a high point to jump in, they're not really part of the game anymore. Um, yeah. And so we could see bigger environments. I wouldn't be surprised if they try some of that stuff out in the future. But at least for now, they were like, they didn't want the the on foot stuff to feel uh, like like you were playing a different game than when you're yeah. in the car. And, but, and that's yeah. smart because I think I think like on foot, there should be that like sort of sort of tinge in the back of your head where you feel like a squirrel crossing a highway. Like there should be a little bit of fear that like you could get hit by a truck at any given moment. Although in this scenario, the squirrel can jump onto the truck, steal the truck, and, and crash it in a ditch, <laughs> which is great. It's uh yeah there's there's a lot of uh opportunity for unexpected stuff like you were saying Brian I I I think there's going to be some really fun like sort of play of the game moments that are that are in this that I'm, I'm once people get more of a feeling for the driving and I'm sure it's only day 1 but I'm sure there are already like expert pro players at this uh, I kind of can't wait wait to see what comes from it but Yeah I hope it I hope it takes off it's we talk about obviously the successes like Fall Guys and Rocket mm -hmm. League but there's also you know I mean we had the couple months ago there was Worms the new Worms Royale, I think. Oh yeah, which was yeah. which was cool, but it just it didn't click. I didn't see anybody talking about it. And then I think it was was it maybe the same month there was Rocket Jump. Yeah, th those were the same month. Yeah, and I feel like neither one of those really, you know, stuck the landing. I messed around yeah. with Rocket Jump, and as opposed to being like a game that felt like it was a bunch of crazy ideas coming together in with with designs that felt like they were from all over it. it 
kind of felt like it was grown in a lab from things that had sold well. Yeah, so. um, it, it definitely can be hit or miss, but I, I do definitely hope I, it seems to be. I don't want to speak for all of you, but yeah, it definitely seems like going the PlayStation Plus route here was the right choice. And I think we're all a, a bit more delightfully surprised by what happened than I think we would have yeah. been, especially at launch when we're we're playing Miles and Demon Souls and Sackboy and the AC Valhalla on PS5 and like all these different now, things. Sorry, now is now is exactly when I want to be playing it. I even if yeah. it had been on PS Plus, I probably wouldn't have cared if this had been day one. Yep. It needed to come just when I was feeling done with all the first party stuff. This yeah. is uh this is a PS5 exclusive game, right? Yes, yeah. it's just on PS5. So I mean that immediately puts it in a different category than something like, you know, Rocket League, where you you're you're dealing with the amount of PS Plus subscribers on a console that no one can buy right now. So it's like, mm -hmm. that's already a, a much smaller demographic than, you know, swinging for the fences with tens of millions of readily available PS4s out in the wild. But still, um, hopefully this gets word of mouth and the buzz keeps going. And, you know, this becomes one of those things that people grab when they first get a PS5. Yeah, it's a it's a really cool one. And again, just a reminder, even if you don't have a PS5 yet, because obviously we know how tough it has been to actually find those things, definitely still redeem this game so you can download it when you do get a PS5. Uh, I do want to move on. There's a, a bit of news to also talk about, uh, but I, I did also want to briefly mention because it's out today as well. I haven't gotten my hands on it yet uh, to see how it plays, but uh, God of War got a PS5 performance patch. Uh, this was, I think, something a lot of us and a lot of players wanted day one. It wasn't there, but thankfully is now. Uh, that essentially lets you have the best of both worlds when it comes to the performance and resolution mode. So uh, it's a new patch that is should be available for download now as this episode is out uh, and essentially lets you have the the 4K checkerboard resolution, the sort of like upscaled resolution there alongside 60 frames per second on PS5. On PS4 Pro, you still have to choose between the modes. But um, I'm super glad this this is out. I hope we see this from other games. I don't know. Um, you know, Ghost of Tsushima was playing a little bit better at launch. Days Gone was playing better at launch on PS5. Uh, we haven't really gotten word about like a Last of Us Part 2 patch or anything. Um, I, I love that this happened. I hope we see it more. But obviously, a lot of these internal teams are also working on sequels. So um we'll see what happens here but i for one i'm i've been holding off on a a, a replay of this game for quite some time hoping this would happen and mm -hmm. now that it has i'm like sorry other games in february i'm probably going to replay my favorite game of 2018 <laughs> yeah no same i i was like tweeting about this yesterday because this is like one of those games where i had a pretty perfect playthrough i you know kind of put it down and just let it sit with me for a very long time there are people that experience games up until they get, you know, everything. I did that with Bloodborne, you know, Ghost of Tsushima. But for a game like this, I just felt like I didn't need to sort of squeeze all of the, you know, water out of the sponge. I was happy just with one playthrough. I got to the end, the credits rolled. I was in tears. It was beautiful. And I put it down and I was like, all right, that's it. But a few years have gone by and it's, you know, more beautiful than it's ever been. And they're making a sequel. So this is this is a good time to jump back in. I've yeah, heard that it makes you a better father, and I'm about to become a real father, so I figure I should play this. Uh, it really makes game. you feel like God of War. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the sequel is going to have to live up to even more feelings, so we'll see if it can manage that. But uh, yeah, I definitely just wanted to mention that if you happen to have missed that news. Uh, speaking of other play, uh, PlayStation exclusives, though, not any longer, uh, it was expected that this would have happened for this year but uh mlb the show 21 was officially announced for playstation and xbox making this 
I think the first Sony first party game, the, the only one I can think of, especially in the last few generations, for sure, to appear on an Xbox platform. Uh, obviously, there have been some the other way, thanks to stuff like Minecraft uh, and Xbox published games going on Nintendo Switch. But this is uh, this is a thing that's going to be happening going forward. MLB The Show is a franchise that can go on uh, both uh, Xbox and Nintendo, I believe, also sort of celebrated the announcement way back when that happened, uh, but currently only announced for Xbox and PlayStation. Uh, so it'll be available on 420 uh, for both generations of consoles on both sides of it. And uh, obviously, I will say, weirdly enough, if you want to hear more about this PlayStation exclusive, probably go over to our Xbox podcast, Podcast Unlocked, because Ryan McCaffrey is the biggest baseball fan I think I know on the IGN staff uh, and can probably speak to this a lot more. But I'm, I'm uh, really happy for him. That's great. Yeah. Like he gets to play MLB The Show on his Xbox. Like that's such a good alignment. I, <laughs> I know we want to talk about like, does this, does this mean we'll see like other Sony stuff coming to other platforms? I have such a, such a big hunch. This is like an MLB call. Yeah. I, this one game feels right. And I feel like, to me, part of why it feels right is just because Xbox feels like a console where people play sports games. Mm-hmm. Like, that feels like the sp- people who like sports like Xbox is my general gut hunch. And this my, makes sense. My question is, what are they giving us? Like, M- Minecraft, they already yeah. did it. <laughs> I have both. I, no, I, it, it would be great if they were like, all right, here's a trade. You guys get uh, the first you got Ori Master game. Chief in Fortnite. Yeah. Doesn't count. Do that on PlayStation. Sony didn't even want that to happen. <laughs> Probably not. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree, though. I do think it is uh, an MLB call more than anything. But yeah, Laura, as you were saying, it feels right for Xbox to have this uh, one as well. And I think it only is going to mean more success for San Diego Studio. Like they they make really excellent baseball games year after year. They do a great job with that franchise. And so for them to only have a wider audience to now publish these games for is probably going to only mean more can be invested in that franchise, which is great for them. Uh, so it, it's definitely a good thing to see for the first party stable. But yeah, I I don't think anyone out there should expect uh, Horizon Forbidden West and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart to appear on Xbox Series X. This is This is a like partnership thing more than a PlayStation thing, I think very much so. Um, I don't think that'll preclude uh, PlayStation games coming to PC. I don't know about you all. I think we'll get some older, like in the way that we got Horizon, I think we'll see a, like four or five-year-old PlayStation games make their way occasionally to PC, but never probably day and date. Um, anyway, moving on from that one as well, definitely want to mention, um, I so it's a franchise I know nothing about. So if anyone on the panel wants to take it from me after I t- say the news, please do. Uh, because I know obviously there are a lot of fans out there, but Mass Effect Legendary Edition finally got announced for May 14th. Uh, there won't be PS5 uh, and Xbox Series versions exclusively available, but it will be backward compatible. Uh, we got a bunch of info about uh, sort of the upgrades they're making. Uh, we we had an interview up on IGN. You can see a few breakouts from that. And Laura, by the way, you reacted. Yeah, yeah. It. It away. <laughs> I absolutely love the Mass Effect games, even though they are kind of hard to go back to, um, particularly the first one. Because like as as great as the Mass Effect games are in terms of being really good story-driven um, you know, shooter RPGs, the first game in the series is just it has aged really, really poorly. Um, it has incredibly slow loading times and some really janky combat and everything just doesn't feel quite right. Like Mass Effect 2 and 3, wonderful, amazing games that hold up much better. That's the main reason I've been excited about this Mass Effect trilogy remaster is just 
please bring Mass Effect 1 in line with the two games that came after it. And judging by the trailer that, that, that dropped today and some of the stuff they've been saying about the things that they're trying to get in that first game, it seems like the thing I've been hoping for is happening. They're doing a proper good revamp of the first game. Um, up, they're, they're fixing some of the things people have complained about for years, such as the incredibly long loading elevators that even on the new generation consoles still load incredibly slowly. Um, there's, there's some there's some things that aren't going to be present that you would probably expect with the, the, the new generation ports. Um, I think they talked in the press release about this that there's not going to be ray tracing mainly because they didn't want to remake the entire game from the ground up in the new version of Unreal to get it to support ray tracing. Um, but like, it looks night and day improved. They've basically said, hey, do you like the, the gun combat from Mass Effect 2 and 3? We've made it more like that. We've gotten rid of all of the things that you don't like about Mass Effect 1's combat. Uh, just sped the whole thing up a bit, which... Whenever I recommend Mass Effect to people, I have to do it with the caveat of the first game's a bit rough, but get through it. I'm just happy to be able to not have to have that caveat anymore. <laughs> yeah, now you can just talk about the ending of the third one, right? I, I'm, <laughs> in, I'm, in that, that. <laughs> I'm in that small group of people who actually really likes the ending of Mass Effect 3, I know. <laughs> I All I know is that people were outraged about it. I do not know what happened, so I'm sure someone will tweet at me now and spoil it. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to go on this journey for the first time. It's sort of one of those things where once the rumor started to pick up, I had been seriously considering a playthrough, but it's like, I'll just wait for this. And it's it's so funny to just see the reception to this and how happy both fans and newcomers are that this is finally happening. And to think back a few years ago when EA was like, we'll never do remasters. People don't want that. It's not worth the time and effort. Like, that's not a thing we need to do. And it's like, just look at how much people care about this Legendary Edition. Collection. But hey, when is uh, EA never not known what people want from things? <laughs> It's never happened I, before. I, so I never played the first one. And again, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've always heard it's kind of like it's kind of rough to go so back to. The, the first one has a wonderful story, but like it's it's a bit painful to actually play. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is good news. Also, I mean, it's been long enough that I don't remember what happens much. Yeah. I mean, I remember the ending, but um, yeah, like I, I mean, I jumped into two and I picked it up from there and I jumped then I in three and then like Ashley showed up and I was like, who the hell are you? Like, oh, the, spa the, the space racist. Yes, yes <laughs> she is the space racist. Uh, I, I mean, I, I figured that out along the way, but it was also just like, he, I think I answered like one of those, it was before you could like properly carry your save over between two games. Mm. And it did that sort of Witcher thing where you're like, what did you do last time? Do you remember this? What, what did you choose for this? And most of my characters showed up and they were kind of who I remembered, but then like, there just this one woman who I didn't know from the first one was there. And I was like, this is, this is bizarre for me. Uh, my my favorite my favorite silly detail about this Mass Effect remaster is that they have um, unified the character creator across all three games, so that my my Commander Shepard will no longer look like three separate people through the trilogy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice thing to have actually continuity when you're supposed to. Exactly, be it's it's yeah. the little things that make me happy. Exactly. Um, but yeah, there's there's a ton of coverage up on IGN uh, about sort of what has been changed, some of the things that haven't been changed, some of the decisions behind that. 
Uh, we have a, uh, a preview impressions. I believe it was hands off, but preview impressions from uh, Cat Bailey uh, on IGN as well. So you can go check that out uh, too. But yeah, it's uh, it's a really exciting thing to have. I think there were rumors that the release date was originally going to be March. So we'll have to wait a little longer than some of us may have anticipated. But uh, the beginning half of this year is still looking a little quiet. So this will, I think, be a, a really nice, uh, very big trilogy to be able to explore. And EA, if you're you're actually listening to Reason now, you're you're making a new skate. You release the Mass Effect remasters. Please just do just do the same with the Dead Space. I just want to replay Dead Space one. I love it so much. Um, anyway, before we move on to what we've been playing, just briefly wanted to mention a very funny uh, PSVR patent uh, that caught me off guard. Uh, that, and I just said guard very strangely. Uh, that I thought was just really really funny and kind of reminded me weirdly of the Wii U. And I'll get to that comparison in a second. But essentially, there's a PlayStation patent for technology that lets spectators mess with you in VR. So this is, of course, this doesn't mean this will actually happen, but the patent was filed in October 2020. And essentially the copy <laughs> talks about uh, audience members will be able to participate in games while another person is in VR. Uh, the spectators will be able to make decisions via spectator devices, so probably phones. Uh, and they use the example basically of uh, the people watching being able to choose what the person is going to use as a weapon. Uh, and so you could choose or what they're going to be able to uh, pick up and so it's things like a sword or have like a monster helper or a soup ladle and obviously you would choose the soup ladle because you're messing with your friends um but this sort of seems like a marriage to me of the the playlink games that we've gotten like that's you and a couple of the others with vr and also just sort of the the wii u comparison was like uh nintendo land and the games that were like sort of one verse four where it's like uh, someone is using the Wii U gamepad to be looking at something specifically while the other people are playing with the game in a different way. And that seems like a really cool use of VR uh, that PlayStation hasn't really gotten into before. Again, PSVR still will always kind of be this niche within the wider PlayStation base. But I, I think that's a really cool addition to what we've seen from PSVR games so far. It, it reminds me of, um, I believe, Warhammer Vermintide 2 is one of these games that does this with Twitch, where you can have people in the Twitch chat vote on what's going to happen in-game while you're playing. And, I mean, it's always fun to screw up the person who's trying to play their video game. So I I would be very excited to see more of this. this exactly. One of, my, one of my favorite VR games or VR experiences is playing Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, oh, the way it's meant to be played yeah. with with a full binder full of, like, bomb bomb instructions and like i mean if you haven't played it the whole thing is one person is basically in vr trying to disarm a bomb and the other person has your bomb disposal manual and so you're basically describing what you see in vr and you're like i've got uh two red wires and the person's like uh is there a vacuum tube is there an on switch is there a keyhole and like you have to basically you know you have to keep talking and nobody explodes uh and this feels very much in line with that but with more sort of you know video gaminess yeah uh, but I i would love to play you know, a game where my friends make me hold a soup ladle in VR. That sounds like a good one. Anything that makes the VR experience less of a solitary experience, I really enjoy. Totally. Yeah. And that, that feels like something there, there are obviously a few teams within Sony, whether it's London studio behind blood and truth or a lot of the uh, Sony Japan teams, uh, the team Asobi working on Astrobot and some other teams in there. There's obviously a lot of VR experience in house and I hope they could come up with some really clever, uh, party games. It feels like Astrobot would be like tailor made for something like this. Mm -hmm. Like they could easily do an Astro's uh, party sort of thing. Um, but yeah, again, just sort of the the long continuing mystery of what comes next with PSVR. Uh, while we still have to deal with all of the wires and dongles and uh, attachments to be able to play PSVR, 
uh, either on PS4 or PS5. Uh, but speaking of, there are still PSVR games coming out, including a new PSVR exclusive coming this spring called Winds and Leaves, which was on the PlayStation blog today as we're recording. And just wanted to give it a shout out. It's a very, very cool, um, called a com- uh, ah, contemplative non-linear sim where you can cultivate your inner gardener. And it just seems very peaceful and wonderful. Uh, so go check out that trailer if you haven't seen it. But uh, other than that, I wanted to uh, briefly just catch up on what we've been playing. Uh, Laura, I know we talked a little bit about Control and Destruction All-Stars already, but have you been playing anything else in the world of PlayStation you want to give a shout out? Uh, the only other thing I've been playing in the world of PlayStation this week, and I'm a little late to the party because I think you talked about it last week, was the uh, Resident Evil Village demo uh, that went up last week. And I mean, I've never seen a thing that looks so visually visually well i want to call it gorgeous but it's not it's disgusting and terrifying and horrifying <laughs> such such horrible use of amazing visuals um I, as much as there is no real sense of like the combat or anything i i think we can probably just from having played resident evil 7 get a pretty good guess how that's going to go but i i'm i'm a big sucker for big mansion environments in Resident Evil games. Um, as much as I liked the house in Resident Evil 7, I want somewhere that feels a bit bigger, a bit more sprawling. Um, I like the fact that this, like, obviously the full game's going to be a bit more, like, out and sprawling in, in the rest of the world, but it was it was nice to feel like I was in a classic Resident Evil mansion setup again, and also Tall Lady's very good. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the best summation of both the demo and probably the full game when we get to it in a few months um max anything uh you've been playing uh that you want to shout out before we i'm so on? i'm so completely enamored with hitman i love it so much like it's i've I've like kept chipping away at it and like it's just like it's like i'm i don't i don't know i i feel so dumb for not having jumped on it sooner but i'm also Same. like there's there's such a wonderful wealth of stuff to play with and i'm uh, I've been playing a little bit of one and a little bit of three, and I told myself I wouldn't spend money on two until I like earn the right. Like I have to really, <laughs> you know, I have to get enough lock picks and special gizmos and different types of poison crossbows or whatever. So, God, I love yeah. that game. I, I've been the same. I feel very silly for not having picked it up before, but I'm glad that it allows me to play the first two as well. Having played the first two, I've been saving Hitman Three specifically for when when I've got a bit of time that I know I won't need to play anything else for work because I just want to get really stuck into it if I play it. Yeah. It's, I ruined it... a marriage. It was amazing. <laughs> in the, the game? Yes. <laughs> I mean, in Maybe. real life a few times, but you know, it's these things happen. Uh, and Brian, what about you? Anything you've been playing? Uh, uh, I, I fell down like a weirdly specific rabbit hole recently where I um I wanted to play my next gen console games in handheld form the way Christopher <laughs> Nolan wanted them to be played. Um so I I got a Razer Kishi and a uh like dirt cheap Android phone off Craigslist and basically like kit bashed a handheld that um can play PS5 and Xbox Series X on it. So I've been playing a bunch of PS5 games through the Kishi in um handheld mode through remote play and the mm-hmm. thing is through remote play uh the 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 basically the the app doesn't the official app doesn't recognize the kishi as like a bluetooth controller but um this guy like one dude made a app called ps play that works better than this billion dollar 
you know, tech company <laughs> got to do. And so shout out to that guy. And so like you just plug it in and immediately it just starts working. You connect to your PS5 or PS4 and you can play PlayStation games on the couch while you're watching a movie or something. Um, I'm on like fiber internet in my house. So it's that's probably doing a lot of heavy lifting. But I feel like if you're close enough to your modem, like I don't think it would work super great, like, you know, out out in the wild or anything like that. Maybe it does. But yeah, it's it's just been really fun because I was like I was like playing Bloodborne with an Xbox themed third party razor controller on an unlocked Android phone through a bootleg like uh, individually developed PlayStation app. And it, it was like a handheld Bloodborne. It was cool. It's just, it's fun to be able to do that. So I don't know if you're home a lot and uh, your significant others are using the TV. Um, I don't know why I suggested that you have several significant others, but maybe you do, <laughs> maybe you do. Uh, all the more reason to uh, figure out remote play and play at home. You can also get like a $10 clip or $15 clip I for your um, PlayStation phone or PlayStation controller and play like that. I, I bought one of those clips and they definitely mm -hmm. work, but your controller definitely ends up a bit more top heavy. Yes. Oh, good. You got one too, Max. Yeah. 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 I haven't messed with it yet. I also realized I, I broke my phone, you know, like I just stopped putting a case on it cause I never leave the house and I went outside of the house and I saw more crows than I'd ever seen in one, in one tree. And I got so excited. I just dropped the phone and cracked the corner of it. So did you throw your phone at them? No, I like was, I was like, I gotta get a picture of this. And I pulled that out of my pocket and just dropped it on the concrete. It's so. born in real life. I need a photo. And then you just dropped it. Yeah, it happens. Um, well, I, I yeah, it is hopefully people are, you know, in their homes. So if you if you need that sort of attachment, hopefully you're you're able to find one of those. But uh before we wrap up, I also want to uh do a memory card, which is of course our weekly segment where we uh you the listeners and viewers at home write in with your funny, weird, sad, happy, wacky, whatever memories of your PlayStation life, and we read them on the show. Uh this week though, we have actually a very interesting one from Laura. Uh, so I thought yeah. I'd yeah, so I was thinking about PlayStation stories I might want to share, and the the one that like jumped to mind for me is um, I had a very weird week or two around the 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 the, the announcement of that slim PS4 redesign a few years ago. Um, so for anyone who doesn't remember, there was a weird situation in the UK where slim PS4s started showing up on like bootleg sales sites a couple of weeks before it got announced, and like a, a couple of outlets had like gotten their hands on one. I think Eurogamer had one, and they took the video down after like fifteen minutes. And I made some very uh, not necessarily good choices. I met some sketchy people in some back alleys, um, turning up with cash, which is always a bad idea when you go to meet strangers you found off the internet. Um, <laughs> But I managed to get my hands on a PS4 Slim like two weeks before it was announced. And I ha I was in this weird situation because like I hadn't signed anything to say I couldn't talk about it, which is usually the case when we get stuff ahead of launch. And I did a video and I was just like, here it is. I unboxed it. Here it is plugged in. Here's the controller. I had two weeks of people telling me that I'd like the conspiracy theories were very strange. Um, <laughs> the most common conspiracy theory was I 3D printed a shell uh, and plugged my HDMI cable into like an extender that was in this 3D printed shell and was like trailing an HDMI cable to just a PS4 under my table. Um, so it was a very weird couple of weeks of like, is Sony gonna come shout at me? <laughs> <laughs> no one. 
no one believes this exists and the Sony ninjas might show up at any moment. And it was it was very nice to just breathe a sigh of relief when they said, yes, there's a there's a slim PS4. It was very weird. Yeah. That's so crazy that I wish you had screen capped all the conspiracy theories and been like, now what? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I did. I had screenshots when it happened. Like, yeah, yeah. like um, it, uh, under that video, the most upvoted comments are people going, so how'd that 3D printing turn out? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you did so well at it that you, it, you know, your house turned exactly. into a mass production 3D studio. <laughs> Exactly. Sony never had anything to do with I made all of them. That's my deep secret I'm admitting here today. <laughs> Finally, the <laughs> truth comes out. It's it's so funny to me that people would think it's not real, if only because that's a thing that PlayStation does every generation. They redesign, it, they do slims. It's Exactly, and it's not like I was the only person that had one. Like, there were people who were just buying them on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Also, of all the things to, like, fake come up with, that that's really where, like, someone would go, no, you would say you had, like, the Vita 2 or something ridiculous. Yeah, the, the, the big thing people kept saying was when you booted the Slim up before it had a system update, it just showed the regular PS4, uh, PS4 on the TV because mm. PS4 firmware only knew to show you that, and they were like, it's showing a regular PS4, this is a fake. It was God. very weird week. <laughs> It's so strange, but thank you so much for sharing that story. I do remember actually seeing that unboxing, and I think I saw some of the like scuttlebutt around it of people being like, "Is it real? Is it yeah. not?" And it's it, like, no, it was real. <laughs> it, it was the first thing I ever had on YouTube that went trending, and I was like, being apparently I was being put into people's subscription boxes who weren't subscribed to me, and that got some people pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is the weird part about YouTube, where yeah, it'll just show you people's content you've never heard of, and then it's like, how did that happen? But um, yeah, that that is such a, a weird, wonderful story. Thank you for sharing it here. I, I absolutely adore that that happened. It sucks that people accused you of not telling the truth about a slim console, but that that's the internet sometimes. That's the internet. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for sharing that story. Uh, we have a bunch to read in the coming weeks, but if you still want to share your story as well, please write in to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card, and we'll be sure to read them on the show. Uh, before we wrap up briefly, I wanted to mention, uh, Laura, of course, we talked uh, about your book that's coming out this week that everyone uh, should definitely go out and purchase if you have somehow forgotten the name of it. It's Things I Learned from Mario's Butt. Uh, available this week. Please go check it out. Uh, not only does it have uh, excerpts from these two wonderful gentlemen I do the show with every week, but uh, you have people from all around the games industry uh, contributing to it, correct, Laura? It's got yeah, Tetris's there's... butt. Tetris's <laughs> butt, yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of other people from the internet. Um, there's some... some uh, who, who's in there? There's Ashens, there's um, some of the kind of funny people like Greg, Greg, Greg Miller and Tim Gettys. Um, there's uh, one of the McElroys. I'm completely blanking on who's in this book now. <laughs> Alana, oh, Alana Pierce is in there. Oh, yeah, like Alana Pierce is who, in there. Yeah, yeah. People have been on this show before. If you're a longtime listener, go uh, go read their weird literatica, I guess. <laughs> go read their butt stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that's that's the title of the show, I guess. Go read some butt stuff. Uh, in addition <laughs> to that, though, Laura, uh, anything else uh, that you want to point people to? Uh, yeah, I, I would love it if people checked out my YouTube where uh, every Friday on YouTube at Laura K Buzz, I upload episodes of a series called Accessibility, all about accessibility in the games industry and how we can make games more accessible for more people. We've got a video going up this week with Jim Sterling talking about ADHD in video games. Um, and other than that, Twitch as well. I Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, so check that out. 
Laura K. Buzz there as well. Awesome. And you also, uh, speaking of just bringing it into the IGN fold more, you also helped oh, um, yes. with a, a piece from our own Joshua Yale as well. Uh, yes, there's a wonderful piece by Joshua Yale that went up this week uh, about Harry Potter, and I've uh, completely misplaced the title of the piece. Uh, where is it? I will grab it. Um, typing, typing, typing. I should know yeah. this. I've looked at it enough. I know. I, I read it all yesterday. Uh, how Harry Potter fans are coping with J.K. Rowling. Yep, uh, I, I helped with sensitivity reading and that sort of stuff on that piece. I'm really happy with how it turned out. It's a really wonderful piece. You should go read it. Yeah, nice Absolutely. work on that. Yeah, um, very, very happy uh, and proud to have that article up on IGN. Thank you for your help with it as um, well. And yeah, I like I'm glad it finally went up. It's been it's been in the works for a while. A while. Yeah, <laughs> I like that it's phrased like J.K. Rowling is some sort of natural disaster. <laughs> I mean, I mean a little yeah. bit. <laughs> pretty much. Uh yeah. Anyway, uh anything else, uh, Brian, that you want to shout out people toward? No, go check out that butt book. Check out the I want book. I want I want you all to read my bloodborne thing in the butt, butt book because I'm very proud of it. Bloodborne. <laughs> Buttborn. Uh and Max, I definitely know, of course, uh you have an excerpt in in the butt book as well, but uh you also have a uh new series out on IGN that the second episode of just went up. Yeah, right? yeah. It's it's a monthly series, so it's hard to consistently promote it, but it's called Reviews and Review, and it's basically like a little sort of bite-sized speed run of all the reviews that IGN put up over the last month. I did one for December as well, but put it up right before Christmas break and it kind of got lost in the shuffle. Uh, and I also do the monthly what's coming out next month, which is sort of the same video in a different direction. Uh, and I totally had my teleprompter crooked in that video. And so everyone's making fun of me looking off camera or looking like I'm reading terrorist demands on the news. So <laughs> um, I, I did love in the, the latest episode of Reviews and Review, your shout out to uh, Brendan Graber and Mitchell Saltzman. Uh, both two very very good at games people on the IGN staff uh, who are who are good at games in some similar ways let's say yeah I mean I think uh, a lot of people see that like IGN will review a game but it's like IGN is not one person IGN is a bunch of people and that you know it's to sort of five try to, people everyone knows that. upwards of five people <laughs> unless you know, yeah unless we have to fire one of them or whatever you know yeah someone's sick for a week yeah, yeah. Uh, but other than that yeah just also want to mention I know I uh, shouted out earlier but uh, please go check out the interview excerpts we'll have a couple more coming out soon from my destruction all stars uh dev interview if you're learning interested in learning more about that game uh also before we wrap up just wanted to mention uh we do this we've been trying to do this more but uh laura i want to ask anything that you've watched or listened uh or read recently that you want to give a shout out as well that you've really enjoyed I'll give a quick shout out to something i've been watching on netflix uh called sweet home it is uh, a single series that's currently up it is a korean uh but sort of overdubbed into english uh it's sort of a B-movie horror with a little bit of comedy in it um, about a bunch of people trapped in an apartment complex in a sort of end-of-the-world horror scenario. Um, I didn't expect to find it as amusing as I did. Um, their creature designs are fascinating. And, yeah, it's just... It, if you're looking for just some, like, very inventive, if a bit low-budget horror, it's really worth a watch. Awesome. I uh, will def there's no shortage of horror fans on that this show, so that is definitely good to know. I I've not heard of that one. Uh Brian or Max, anything that you guys have been watching or listening to you want to shout out? Speaking of horror, I watched uh one of the most deeply unsettling movies I've ever seen recently. It's called Threads. It's on um Shutter. It's from 1984. And it's basically about a peaceful small town that uh gets bombed and 
everything just goes horrible. It's shot um, very sort of documentary style. It feels incredibly real and it will haunt me for weeks. And I have pretty thick skin for this kind of stuff. I also watched a movie called Saint Maud, which I've been trying to see for like a year and a half and it kicks ass and Ooh. you'll be able to watch it very soon. It's really, really good. I can't awesome. wait to see that. I watched, um, uh, what's it called? Psycho Goreman PG for short. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's on Shutter. It's also, you can rent on Amazon or whatever, but it's, um, it's, I can't even, I don't even know how to describe it. It feels like a direct to video Disney movie, like live action from the nineties or an episode of power Rangers, except with the most like M rated special effects. Uh, these two children wind up basically becoming like in control of just a super powerful, like space warlord. And then they have to like, for some reason, <laughs> like dress them up like Alan Grant from Jurassic park. And it's just, it's a real, it's a real beautiful mess. I love it. I I think I saw the review of it up on IGN and had no idea what I was looking at. And I was like, I think that kind of looks like uh, the, the ooze guy from the Power Rangers movie whose name it's, I'm blanking on. It's uh, got some Ivan Ooze energy for sure. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Ivan yeah. Ooze. But then it just, it, it'll occasionally just like totally turn the knob up all the way for like just full blown, like disgusting horror. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, okay. We're doing that now. All right. Awesome. Uh, well, I'll have to check all of these things out because I've just been pretty much playing what we've been talking about. And of course, I'll just recommend classic indie film, The Godfather, if you need something new to watch. <laughs> uh, but other than that, uh, thank you all so much for joining me for this episode. And thank you to everyone out there listening and watching. Uh, and thank you, Laura, for joining us this week. I uh, had a blast on this episode. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. And uh, just as a reminder for everyone, things I learned from Mario's butt is out this week. So go check it out if you can. Uh, but otherwise, you can find us here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Thank you so much for listening and watching. And as always, beyond. 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 Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.